Hello and welcome to Attention Seekers, the podcast from Performance Marketing World where we get to know who's seeking attention in the industry and how they're doing it. Performance marketing is all about attention. It's the currency that is traded between consumers and advertisers, whether it's seconds on a screen or clicks on a link. So if you're not an attention seeker, you're not doing it right. I'm Lucy Shelley, junior reporter at PMW and your host for Attention Seekers. Today, I am joined by Sarah Marsh, Head of Marketing at Adamo, an e-commerce agency based in London. But I believe you have offices all over the world. We do, yeah. We're actually headquartered in Glasgow. Oh, really? And then we have a US office as well. Do you get to travel to any of these places much? I've not been to the US yet. I'm kind of petitioning for that. Yeah. I've been to Glasgow quite a bit. And how was that? Love it. Love it. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I've never been, I've been to Edinburgh, but I've wanted to wander over to Glasgow, but never I feel like Glasgow's better. Really? Is there anyone that tells you Edinburgh's better? Oh, okay. Controversial opinion, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for being this week's Tension Seeker, Sarah. Would Thank you, you mind, for having uh, me. Oh, thanks. And um, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Adamo? So, as you mentioned, I am the head of marketing. Um, so, I work across all sort of departments of the business. Uh, but my primary focus is supporting the sales team with lead generation, looking at performance marketing and how we can use that to drive leads into the top of our sales funnel. We work, as you sort of mentioned, we're like an e-commerce agency. So we work with a lot of sort of global FMCG clients around the world to optimize their online presence and turn it into a point of conversion, which mm-hmm. is something that notoriously grocery brands are not very good at they rely on retailers and we help them leverage their own marketing and turn it into a point of purchase mm, nice and is Bacardi one of your clients Bacardi that right? is yep do you get any freebies from them not really no. we used to we don't anymore but <laughs> that's a shame that's a shame it is <laughs> well we want to get to know you a bit more as our this week's attention seeker so what has been getting your attention recently so The thing that's been getting my attention particularly recently is Netflix's decision to start advertising. Mm, Yeah. I think it's a really clever move. Like I've seen a lot of people get a bit, you know, angry about it Mm -hmm. and say, oh, you know, I don't want to pay for, I don't want to pay for my Netflix and watch adverts and things. They have something like 222 million users. And I think the amount of data they have on people across both TV and their mobile devices um, makes for like a really, really interesting advertising platform mm-hmm. um i think you know potentially could it become the next walled garden mm. as a you know advertising platform and i think spe- specifically for grocery i think it's actually a really interesting opportunity for ctv yeah um which is something that is obviously growing and becoming more popular um but it's not something that's really been done a lot in grocery um and we've dabbled in ctv ourselves with a couple of clients and actually the conversion rates for grocery brands on ctv can be huge so we're talking like 28 percent. oh really conversion rates for ctv if it's done properly with the correct targeting and i think the opportunity there with the amount of data netflix have and you know the the vast range of shows they have from sort of cooking through to like true crime documentaries and things i think that makes for a really interesting targeting proposition Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean i think it's, it's a great opportunity for advertisers for sure but I don't know, do you, as a consumer, do you think you're getting on board with the Netflix ads? Because I think it has been quite divisive. I th- it definitely has. But I kind of think about how I use, so things like Spotify, for instance, I don't pay for Spotify premium mm-hmm. and I'm quite tolerant of the ads. So I've got other sort of, I've got Apple Music and things like that. So I will still listen to Spotify 
and for, for you know specific playlists or specific podcasts but i'm quite happy to sort of not have to pay for it if in you know put up with a couple of adverts yeah no i mean i kind of agree because it's the same with um itv and those mm. you know we're still watching adverts on those and that doesn't stop people watching it whatsoever well, no, exactly and i think you know the cost of living's gone up and netflix have just put their subscriptions up so i think there will be people who are actually like well do you know what i'll put up with a couple of adverts just mm-hmm. to pay a little bit less and save a bit of money. Yeah. I don't know, have they discussed at all how they're using the adverts? Because if they put, start putting them in the middle of episodes, then I might then I might. Start. Yeah, that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Then I might have an issue. But getting to know you a little bit more, I want to know mm-hmm. how much you do actually seek attention yourself. So right. can you tell me about a time that you've done something completely stupid, ridiculous and unnecessary for okay. attention? This is this might be a little bit controversial. I feel like I'm, We're I'm the queen of controversial opinions. Um, <laughs> so after uni, I decided rather than going into sort of a grad scheme or, you know, hardcore applying for sort of graduate jobs, I decided to set up my own business because I was already doing some freelancing. Mm. So I set up a marketing agency and it was a around the time that Donald Trump was going sort of hell for leather with his first election campaign and then obviously became president. And there was a lot of chat about it at the time. And I decided to try and get a bit more attention for my business. Mm -hmm. And for me at the time, I decided to write a big blog post for my website about how the sort of Donald Trump election campaign was actually just a genius marketing campaign. Um, You know, I don't, personally agree with Donald Trump no, or align myself right. yeah. to his, you know, um, his ideologies. But in terms of like a marketing campaign, I thought it was genius and the, the, the sort of a brilliant use case of all like case study of sort of understanding your target audience mm. um, and aligning your messaging to them. Um, so I wrote this, they wrote this blog post. <laughs> I put it out on LinkedIn. I put it everywhere. <laughs> I was getting my family, my friends, clients to share it. And it generated quite a lot of chat um, and, you know, quite a lot of sort of like uptick in traffic to my website at the time mm. so you know it wasn't my mum was like Sarah what have you done why have you written this <laughs> but um you know I mean I still use the blog post in my like, portfolio and things because it's you know I think it's important particularly as a woman in the industry to be a bit controversial to try and get yourself noticed mm-hmm. a bit more I think particularly women shy away from having perhaps controversial opinions or being outspoken and I think it's quite important in terms of putting yourself out there yeah, and getting completely. that attention. And that's really interesting what you're saying about Donald Trump, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, depends what your political opinion is. But the marketing campaign worked. It did. Truly, I mean, didn't can't it? stand him, but his, his <laughs> team did well. His team did do well. Can you remember any specifics um, that you wrote about in your blog post that you thought, yeah, that was a good, that was a good tactic that he used? Does anything come to mind? I think it was... I think it was just in terms of like his, I suppose you call it his like manifesto and the sort of way he rallied people at his political rallies very much targeted at sort of, you know, blue collar, mm-hmm. sort of mid of the, like middle of the country in the sort of South. Like he properly tapped into their sort of their gripes, the things they sort of moan about and then really played on that in his sort of campaign online and then in person at his rallies. And I think that was genius. It's just a prime example of listening to your audience. Yeah, well, if he's listening to us right now, he's going to get a big <laughs> ego, isn't he? But uh, we shall see. Um, and what can cookies tell about you that perhaps you'd you'd rather they didn't know? You'd rather that information was kept away from them, but they've somehow found out, perhaps. Okay, I so I'm a big, big true crime 
very good nerd um i love it like podcasts documentaries i mean god forbid my netflix advertising targeting (laughs) it will be i don't know what it will be because i watch so many true crime documentaries um so yeah it probably like to the outside world it probably looks like i know where all the bodies are buried and i'm a bit (laughs) obsessed with you know crime yeah, I mean, that must be kind of an awkward thing that you, you're kind of absorbing all this information that when it comes to just casual conversation, it's just always cropping up and people that don't know you thinking, is this girl okay? I just feel like a really dark, twisted person, but I promise I'm not. I just... <laughs> no, it's creeping there, isn't it? It is, it is. You know, I do love a good a good crime drama. Mm-hmm. And it's just that kind of, it's that Cluedo, isn't it? I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen Chicago Med, and I know it's not true crime, but it's... <laughs> An absolutely awful Netflix show and I was watching it last night and it's just so unrealistic and unbelievable but it's just that following pattern of what's going to happen yeah. next that I think quite satisfying isn't it mm-hmm. definitely within performance marketing it's all about ratings mm-hmm. we all know that metrics ratings is what it's um, all about and so can you tell us something that is overrated and underrated in the industry let's start with what you think is overrated I feel like this one will split opinion, but uh, my overrated thing is NFTs. Interesting. I just think they're a bit of a waste of energy, quite literally as well. Like the amount of energy it takes to sort of mint an NFT or, you know, mine Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It, I think it's a bit ridiculous, especially when brands are trying to be more conscious um, and, you know, not greenwash. But I just think that I don't think they'll make it to the sort of the mainstream mm-hmm. because it's so inaccessible still as a as an entity, as a thing to be involved in. Like, I don't think your everyday consumer understands crypto, let alone NFTs. And I just, so I just don't think it will really ever take off in the way that a lot of brands are already just sort of jumping on board with it and sort of minting their own NFTs of their logos and things. Like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's overrated and I don't think it will, I think it will die a death at some point. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I I find it really hard to grasp NFTs because I'm, I'm, I'm an art person. I love mm-hmm. art. So it's just, I don't, I understand digital yeah. art. My one of my closest mates is a digital artist, but NFTs. It's just you're kind of trading something. It's just about owning it, isn't yeah. it? It's just about. It's a kind of a vanity thing. Mm. So I just I haven't quite caught on to the idea of what is so great about it. But people I think are just using it as a kind of trading to make a lot of money at the yeah. moment. And it's so volatile because the whole thing's based on cryptocurrency as well. So like as that crashes, like which it is at the minute, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Like I don't know. It just how long will it actually? Yeah. It's an interesting Last. one. If you were to create an NFT, do you know what it would look like? <laughs> oh, God. No, I have no, no. idea. <laughs> and so what do you think is underrated in the industry? Okay, I think it's a bit old school, but I think search marketing has become quite underrated. I think with things like social commerce, which have really taken over and seem to be particularly like our clients and the sort of brands we work with, they're you know, becoming quite obsessed with social commerce and understandably so like Facebook is one of the biggest sort of wall gardens and places to do advertising. But I think, I think brands underestimate the power of search, particularly in grocery. When you have things like recipe content, there is such a um, simple, like almost ready-made strategy there to drive traffic to your website and traffic that has sort of purchase intent because they're already searching for something they want to make, something they want to do. And I think if brands really jump on that and really factor that into their marketing plans, then they will start seeing like a higher percentage of conversions from their website, from their own marketing. And then when they leverage a tool like ours, mm-hmm. that is just like a match made in heaven. 
but so many brands overlook it. One thing that I may have misheard or may have misunderstood is that I was under the impression that because it's con- uh, the algorithms are constantly changing, mm. it is quite hard to always stay on top of it. Is yeah. that correct? It is, and it changes all the time. But I think there's sort of you know some fundamental kind of fundamental rules that regardless of how the algorithm changes Mm -hmm. will sort of keep you relatively on top in terms of search rankings but even things like paid search and that element of it like if you're putting paid search and paying for your keywords for your recipe content um or even your sort of product terms um even that in itself can do wonders So you are the performer this week. So we want to find a little bit about your best practice. So can you tell us about the most exciting project that you have worked on and how you got other people's attention? So, okay, this actually might sound like a bit of a boring one, but I promise it wasn't. So (laughs) it was around um, the time that GDPR was this big thing that was like looming and there was this massive deadline and marketers everywhere were like panicking about, you know, having to try and re-opt in their database. And at the time I was, my job was primarily sort of email CRM. Um, So I was going to all these talks about how to sort of prepare for GDPR and things. And all these numbers were being thrown around, like only 20% of your database will opt back in. So, you know, you need to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we decided I decided to sort of run a re-opt-in campaign to our entire database. And because it's such a heavy and boring topic, and realistically at the time, people's inboxes will have been absolutely saturated with brands being mm-hmm. like, can you opt back in, please? So I decided to go very lighthearted with it and sort of play on the idea of dating. And, you know, it's not you, it's me taking mm-hmm. a break. You know, when you don't want to speak to somebody anymore, um, go down that route of like, can we still talk? So we <laughs> did this, all these sort of engagement emails we sent out were very lighthearted and took this very sort of, you know, it's not you, it's me and GDPR. And, you know, can we still talk? Do we have a future type thing just to try and make it a little bit lighthearted and just cut through the noise in inboxes at the time. And it actually worked. And we ended up with opt-in rates of over 40% of our database compared to this 20 that was being sort of thrown around in the industry. So, you know, I think it was a different way of grabbing attention, but I think it sort of shows the power of copy as well. Mm. And the sort of actually how attention grabbing that can be if it's done in the right way. I think that's really clever. That's really interesting, actually, because I think it's also good to... um relate it to another scenario so you've taken yeah. something that's incredibly serious and really probably shouldn't be joked around <laughs> but then if you compare it to something like dating it instantly has that hook and people will click on it people will relate to it as well because okay. everyone's either had that conversation or had that text for us like, oh, you know mm. not really feeling it have you used any dating apps of any kind i've not but i am contemplating are you <laughs> downloading i'm like oh do i because I, I haven't either but i i have a lot of friends that have hinge and it it looks quite fun. It looks like a bit of a game. You know, you go yeah. through and... You can do like voice notes and things on Hinge as well. Like It's bizarre. It's like, I don't know, you can just choose if someone's favourite quote and they just have the most odd things yeah. like, you know, blueberries are the source of life. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, thanks. Not sure how I should be evaluating that. <laughs> thanks. Because performance marketing, it's a... It's quite technical. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very specific. There's a lot of niches. So I would like you to teach me something from the industry. So can you demystify an element of the industry uh, and educate me in mm-hmm. our episode today? Okay. 
so I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it back to grocery the grocery sector again um but I think retargeting and the power of that so I know I mentioned sort of search marketing and the amount of data that um you know a lot of brands sit on that perhaps they don't utilize to the best of sort of to its full potential um so I think there is a lot of when when grocery brands fully embrace that sort of bottom end of their sort of marketing and sales funnel and implement sort of commerce media tactics and tools, they open up these additional data points that they wouldn't have had sight of or access to before um, in terms of around consumer behavior, shopper preferences, like the retailers they shop at, um, how price sensitive they are and engaging with different products on their website. And I think that opens up a huge opportunity for retargeting that grocery brands don't tend to look at too much and it's the perfect way of building up loyalty because you've got all these people dropping off the sales funnel as they get further down Mm -hmm. for for whatever reason and other industries do it so well like how many times have you been followed around the internet by an asos ad for something Mm. you put in your basket like there is an opportunity there to do that within grocery and it's somewhat overlooked and i think by harnessing the sort of the data that is available to them and these data points that they wouldn't normally look at because a lot of these brands as well are so focused on awareness that okay, marketing yeah. that they don't necessarily look at the sort of the commerce side of things and the metrics available there which are the real measure really because that's sort of you know the ROI and yes yeah so I think if they did that then retargeting would you know be hugely beneficial and something that they could jump on and leverage more how different are other industries you talked about grocery and you've kind of compared it compared it to fashion and retail Mm -hmm. do you think they are treated very widely differently when it terms of the different approaches you take whether it's retargeting different metrics or do you think they can kind of be used quite similarly I think they treat themselves very differently but I think there are sort of almost mindset shifts that Mm -hmm. actually grocery marketers or like brand marketers for grocery brands can uh, almost adopt like they can take some of those strategies and techniques because it is so much about loyalty and locking in customers mm-hmm. because you know we're probably the least like loyal as consumers we've ever been um and particularly with the pandemic when you know there were certain brands you couldn't get hold of in the supermarket so you had to you had to buy something else that actually trying to adopt some of those like techniques from other categories or industries to start rebuilding that customer loyalty um i think you know they they could do and they should be doing because i think i mean grocery and fashion and retail are actually quite similar in the way that the consumer Mm. looks at them in terms of ethical practices yeah you want it to be sourced properly Mm. you've got good um ethics in your supply chain uh because obviously fast fashion is a big thing people are trying to avoid and shipping you know, food from like, you know, potatoes from somewhere really far away. It's not necessarily necessary, is it? We've got plenty exactly. in the UK. Um, so yeah, I guess from the consumer's point of view as well, I don't think they are treated that differently at all. No, definitely not. For the final section of our podcast, which is all <laughs> about getting my attention and it, it is my favourite part. So I do get quite excited about this section, which is called Resell Me A Pen taken from the Wolf of Wall Street's sell me a pen idea that we all are familiar with. But this is about reselling an old-fashioned, outdated item that's no longer used today that you can remarket it in today's world and ideally with a performance marketing strategy, which is is a challenge, I will admit. 
And so we have given you this week a carrier pigeon. That's the roguish choice. <laughs> You've been lucky. I think some of them have been roguer. They've all been kind of strange. We've had um, a pocket calculator. So okay. I don't know if you're, this makes it feel a bit easier or not, but... Maybe. I mean, so the the thing that I automatically jump to with the carrier pigeon is maybe marketing to the sort of like environmental conscious, climate conscious younger people. Um, I think there's this sort of perhaps growing audience of um, younger generations sort of Gen Z who are climate conscious, who are, you know, becoming activists. So marketing uh, maybe as an alternative to Royal Mail, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, think about all the mileage in your, uh, when you're sending a letter, um, send it by a carrier pigeon instead and save the planet. Um, and also there's a girl on TikTok recently. I don't know if you'd have seen her. She went viral and she ended up on the news because she was in a pub garden and a pigeon adopted her. And she ended up taking this pigeon home. It's like little baby pigeon. Um, and now it just lives with her and it like cuddles up to her and stuff. So I think, from a performance marketing and sort of digital marketing perspective, get her on board as an influencer. Show her the benefits of pigeons. Very good. Market on TikTok. <laughs> well, she thought about this. And um, so you said Gen Z is your target audience. So I should have said at the beginning, this is graded, by the way. So oh, I am marketing. God, okay. Is there, is there anything you want to add in, in light of that? I think the other thing in terms of if we're going full strategy, I would set up a carbon calculator for your postage online. And I would market that probably with search um, and, you know, sort of some ads across social, maybe LinkedIn. And then, you know, start getting people to work out how much they're, uh, how much carbon they're using by sending their letter, putting the address in. And then, um, yeah, going for the carrier pigeon route. I don't want to get too carried away here, but I think this might have been one of our... One of our best done, best so far. I'll take that. <laughs> because we've you've thought about your target audience, Gen Z, mm-hmm. the, you know, the environmentally conscious, which is a, a lot, a gro- a, thankfully a growing number of people. Um, your Royal Mail mileage, you can track that. <laughs> the carbon calculator is great. Just going viral on TikTok, you're ticking all the performance marketing boxes. Um, I've never given out a 10 before. But I think I might today. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Hands are in the air. We're punching the sky. Yeah, I was really, I was really pleased with that. For someone that was like, that was rogue and you were not looking forward to it. I'll get a carrier pigeon. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's something you should start implementing. Take, take it back to your clients project, that had yeah. and see what they say. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on our episode today. I hope you have satisfied your attention-seeking desires. Have. (laughs) If you want to find out more about the news and trends from global brands, agencies and platforms in the performance marketing industry, register with us on our website at performancemarketingworld.com. And don't forget to look out on our socials, which are linked on the site and in this episode's description to send in suggestions for next time's Resell Me A Pen Challenge. Thank you all for listening and I look forward for you to join me next time.